You are listening to Word Up, a place where we share our stories because who we are matters. Hello, glad you're here. Today, we are jumping into the deep end of the pool and moving completely outside of my comfort zone and into the world of hockey as we interview former NHL hockey player and co-founder of the Three Nolans Hockey School, Brandon Nolan. As one does when they know they are in completely over their heads, I surrounded myself with co-hosts who know way more about the sport, teacher Ren Rivers and his student Nolan Willette from KLDCS. Make sure you listen to the entire episode as there's an opportunity to win some Three Nolans merch. That's right, we are moving up into a program with giveaways. The catch is that you will also need to follow us on Twitter at Listen2WordUp. Enough of me rambling, let's get on with today's episode. I'd like to thank you all for being here this morning. Uh, Before I introduce our special guest, Brandon Nolan, I would like to let this week's co-hosts introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Nolan Rillette. Uh, I'm in grade 10 here at KLDCS. Uh, I'm part of the Métis Nation of Ontario, and uh, I play hockey in Temiskaming Shores, just about an hour south of here. Hi, Brandon. It's uh, My name's Ren Rivers. I'm a teacher at KLDCS, an English teacher, and uh, uh, the reason I'm here is because I just need, I need to learn more, right? We've got new stuff coming into our schools to make sure we support uh, Indigenous kids in our schools, and I just I want to learn more. So that's why I'm here. Awesome. Thank you. I'm excited to hear what uh, our conversation is today and, and where we end up. Brandon Nolan is a proud Anishinaabe from Garden River First Nation just outside of Sault Ste. Marie. He is the son of Ted Nolan, who played and coached in the NHL for several years and who was awarded the Jack Adams Award as NHL Coach of the Year. Brandon grew up constantly playing on the outdoor rink during the winter months. His love of hockey led him to the OHL with the Oshawa Generals, where he became a two-time OHL All-Star and a consistent top scorer in his three years playing for the Generals. Brandon played professional hockey for five years before playing in the NHL for the Carolina Hurricanes. Sadly, a serious concussion forced him to retire from his love of the game. After taking two years off to recover from post-concussion syndrome, Brandon enrolled into Durham College, hoping to obtain a diploma in business administration, specializing in marketing, where he graduated in 2012 as the highest ranking graduate in his entire program, as well as winning multiple awards, including the National Aboriginal Achievement Award for Academic Excellence. With his brother, Jordan, who also played in the NHL, and his father, Brandon, co-founded the Three Nolans First Nation Hockey School in 2013 as a way to offer hockey skills development camp for First Nation youth and First Nation communities across Canada. So welcome, Brandon. Thanks so much for having me. Um, so in, in the podcast, I like to try to let our students lead um, because I know that myself and teachers will jump in when we want. Um, so we want to make sure that they have the first few questions so that they they get to know you a little bit. So if you want to take over, Nolan. Alrighty. So what was your most memorable accomplishment in your career of playing? Uh, for sure, just getting the call um, that I've been called up to the NHL with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, it was a a little bit unexpected. You know, I, I battled around the minors for five years. I played in the East Coast Hockey League, the American Hockey League. I went to Sweden for a year and then I came back and, you know, my career re- really wasn't going where I wanted it to. And then I just buckled down and really worked, really, really worked hard and just kind of changed my game a bit. My fourth and fifth year pro and and uh, luckily just started playing really well and 
And just getting that call was for sure my uh, greatest accomplishment. I just remember right before Christmas, just sitting in my apartment by myself and getting the call from the coach saying, uh, you might get a call from the Carolina Hurricanes tonight and, and they might want you to play uh, the, the next day. So I just remember it so vividly, you know, you grew up your whole life wanting, wanting that goal. And, and that was uh, my goal, my, my entire life. I just loved hockey growing up and, and to realize it, it was, uh, it was pretty cool and pretty emotional and something definitely I'll never forget. That's awesome. Um, who is your favorite teammate to play with in your career? Uh, I had a couple and fun. There's, there's different, uh, guys that I like, you know, there's, there's the fun guys, the guys are always joking around, but when it's time to time to buckle down and, and, and it's game time, you know, those are the serious guys. But then I just really like playing with the guys that, uh, that were on my line that were smart and, uh, you know, like to move the puck and, and knew where to go, where the puck was going to go. And, you know, I, in junior, I was more of a shooter, so I, I, I was lucky to play with a really smart player named Jamie Johnson, um, who we had really good chemistry with in the with the Oshawa Generals. And, you know, he had the puck probably 90% of the time, and it was my job just to get open and to get in a nice shooting position. And and we fed off each other really well. And then um, going through pro, it was uh, really tough to build chemistry with guys because I was younger and I wasn't really playing much. You know, I swear to God, my first year pro, I probably played an average of three minutes of ice time a night. And it just wasn't fun. So you're not building really that chemistry. You're just getting the pucks deep and trying to bang a body and get off the ice and not get scored on. And, and that really wasn't what I used to playing uh, with my style, my whole career. And then I had to change. And then my last year pro at the um, Albany river at right before I got called up with the Carolina hurricanes, I got a chance to play with this guy named Keith, the coin. And he was the, the best player I've ever played with in my life. He was so smart. He knew where you were going to be. Um, so I just really enjoyed playing with, uh, the smart players that, uh, that were really good passers and knew how to, how to read the game. Well, cause if you don't know how to read the game well, and, and you're not playing with players that can give and go or, or you get open, then they get open. I mean, it just makes the game so hard and the game's hard enough already. So if you're not playing with smart players and, and you're an offensive guy, it just makes the game near impossible. So for me, I just really liked and enjoyed playing with guys that, uh, that were really smart on their side. And then my job was just to get open. I just have to jump in for a quick sec. I'm loving watching how excited Nolan's face is. It's awesome to be here talking to you. Some of the stuff you're saying, I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I don't really understand all of it, but I can tell that Nolan really does and he's pumped. So that's awesome. Um, Your community um, was able to celebrate with the Stanley cup a few times. Uh, Why do you think that was so significant for you? No, oh, man, it was just crazy. It was, uh, I think it was 2012, the first year my brother won the Stanley cup and, um, he decided just to have like a community parade in our, uh, garden river first nation. And, um, you know, it's just amazing. There's, oh, there's so many people were out. People came down from the city. Um, our entire community was out. Uh, it was just like a great, just, a pure community pride and in, in one of their own, um, accomplishing something because we always say like when when one of our people succeed it feels like we all succeed and it uh gives hope and it gives drive and it gives inspiration to others so it was just an amazing accomplishment by my brother um and just by far the most memorable um moment was when there was probably geez i don't know i'm gonna say two to three thousand people on the bridge in garden river and uh, there's this bridge that says this is indian land and it's on our website. Um, if you go to threenolans.com and you go to the media section, you can look at uh, pictures. 
and or videos um, from Jordan Stanley Cup Parade in Garden River First Nation. And it was just, it's like the best photo we, we have. And it's just, uh, he's standing on top of the bridge uh, holding the Stanley Cup with, uh, this is Indian land underneath. And it's just, uh, I don't know, it just makes you feel like really proud uh, that uh, someone like that came for your community. And lucky enough for me, it was my brother. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I read, I read it was your uncle who painted that, right? This is Indian land. Is that? Yeah, it was my uh, my uncle Rick, who was passed now. My my dad's brother. Um, I guess back in the day, they were a little more crazier than most, and they, and they got up on the bridge and painted that. And I guess CN Rail came and blacked it out. And then next week, and they did it again. And then CN Rail blacked it out. And then they did it again. And they just said, "Ah, we're just gonna leave it." So yeah, <laughs> it was uh, yeah painted by my uncle Rick. And um, yeah, it's, it's I don't know how long it's been there, but it's. It's just like a staple now. It's it's on my desktop. It's my screensaver. It's it's any picture that someone if if we go to an event, they're like, oh, you guys from that community that says this is Indian land, and it's just like yeah. a well known bridge all across Canada. Absolutely, it's it's really become such a landmark. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a tourist attraction as well. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I can imagine. Before I let uh, Ren jump in, because I know he wants to, I just wanted to say that I love knowing that in the celebration, because I was watching the videos, that you guys smudged the Stanley Cup, and I just thought. Yeah. That was pretty, pretty awesome. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was a, just a great day. Yeah. All right. So I, I just heard you mention something. You said, you know, when, when, uh, when one of you is a winner, you're all winners, right? I, I love that, that sort of idea behind that. And uh, it just leads into, into one of my questions. I'm a huge camp guy, mm-hmm. uh, except it's basketball. It's not hockey for me. It's basketball. And we run a lot of basketball camps up here. And uh, I, I just uh, I wanted to talk to you about the Three Nolans Hockey Camp a little bit. You mentioned on the website uh, that um, one of your jobs here is to make Indigenous youth become future leaders in your community. Uh, two-part question. What type of leadership values and lessons do you promote during your camps for your kids? And secondly, do you have any examples of youth who have excelled in those leadership positions uh, through your camps? Yeah, for us, I mean, being a good leader is just uh, really first and foremost, just being a good person, someone that others can look to, to um, want to emulate your behavior, emulate your actions. Um, at each and one of, every one of our hockey schools, you know, we get them there, we hook them there by hockey. But then we, we kind of teach uh, more important things in life, like how to be a leader, how to be a good person, uh, how to be a contributing member to your community. So we have our, we have our hockey schools, but then... Um, the last night before we leave, we always have a roundtable discussion where we uh, provide a speech, you know, kind of about our lives and how we grew up and um, the struggles we went through. I mean, no one wants to, if you want to ever hear someone talking, never want to hear about how great their life is. You want to hear about struggles they went through or, or how, how they got to be in a position that they are. Because if someone tells you that they never struggled or never got defeated or never had a hard time in their life, I mean, they're straight up lying to you. So that's what um, we we talk about. I mean, everyone goes through struggles. Everyone has hard times, but it's how you come out of it and, and how you are as as an individual and as a person. So we really enjoy. Um, honestly, that's probably the the best part of our of our hockey schools. I mean, the hockey hockey's awesome. Like I love hockey, but it's it's more uh, important things in life that uh, that we try and teach at those roundtable discussions, and then we open it up to uh, to all the participants or community members if they want to ask any questions. Um, so it's just an amazing event where we get to interact with everyone. I mean, you can only interact so much on the ice where you're teaching a drill or you get to know a, 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 yeah. a participant, you chat with them and then they're gone. They're in the drill. 
but at the round table discussion, you know, we're, we're, we're there for, for a while we're chatting, taking pictures, whatever. But, uh, that's probably our, our favorite thing uh, of the hockey school. And then, uh, oh man, sorry. I got a short memory. What was the second part of the question? Oh yeah. About, uh, <laughs> Don't worry. Through. I forgot. I was yeah, right. Yeah. I was right wrapped up in it anyway. Yeah. Any kids so, you um, noticed jump out? Uh, just, yeah. I mean, like just people reaching out, um, whether it's the parents or the, or the individual participant, just reach out and, you know, just saying how our hockey school helped them or how their experience within our hockey school helped them. Um, we, we went to Ochapuas Cree nation, um, which since Saskatchewan, we went there, I think three or four years in a row back in maybe from 2014 or 15 to 2018 ish. And, um, you know, we really got to know a lot of the community members. Um, we worked with some of the leaders in the community and, uh, two individuals came to our school and then we got to know them pretty well. And we're like, Oh, like, how's the hockey season going? You know, how, how's, how's it going? So like, oh no, we don't play hockey. I'm like, what? You don't play hockey? Like, sure. Oh, no, we just like come into your hockey schools and being around our people. So oh, that's, that's like tough. just a really cool thing of, of someone <laughs> yeah. there. But then actually that same community, um, there's two really good, um, hockey players that, um, we noticed, uh, they were girls that I think they were like 13 or 14 at the time. And, uh, my father on the round table discussion evening, he talked about how, uh, his experience at Knorr was really tough on him and how, um, he, he, his brothers wanted, if you watch the, uh, unwanted visitor online or you seen him on his recent podcast with, uh, Fox and around, he talks about how he how just Kenora was just a super tough time in his life and how really like I, I, and a lot of people this day don't know why he didn't leave. And he talks about not leaving and, and sticking it through and, and just working absolute hard. And then really like not leaving Kenora at that time, kind of launch pad his, his life and his career into, into hockey and, you know, the foundation work. And it just, you know, it was just that, that not giving up and not quitting attitude that stuck with him at that early age. So he, he talked about that story and then, this was maybe like a couple of weeks ago, actually. Um, the two girls who are really good players, their mom reached out to us and said, uh, we just want you to let you know that like Ted's speech that night in Ochabo's Cree Nation at the roundtable discussion really stuck with my girls and they were going through a tough time last year, but they remember that discussion by your father, Ted, and uh, they ended up sticking it through and they, they actually got uh, division one uh, hockey scholarships uh, awesome. about a month ago. So that right there, I mean, that's, I mean, that's good enough for me. Like if we can that's do that for, that's all, for, I mean, we'd like to change many lives, but if we can do something like that for even one or two people, I mean, I'm super happy. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. It's awesome. I got teary just listening to it. Um, and I think that's what we really hope to do in education, right? Or just making sure that our students get to get to hear those stories and have people to look up to and have people to, to mentor them and really see themselves represented. We know um, that as a school board, representation is an issue. Um, and so trying to make sure that we're providing experiences where students can reach out and hear those connections. So team uh, miigwech for that. Uh, Nolan. I, I just think it's, can I jump in for a sec? I just, Absolutely. I just think it's great. I think it's just great to hear that, you know, you had kids in there who weren't hockey players who just wanted to, uh, to, to, to learn from somebody who knows more. Right. And when you, when you, yeah. when you see those kind of kids get in, you know, that those are, Kids who will be leaders in the future. I mean, it's obvious right away, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, our hockey schools are are different. I mean, yeah, our drills are awesome, and we have any we have AAA players. I mean, we can adjust the drill, adjust the group to 
to how we want the ice session to flow. I mean, there's AAA, there's singular, there's housing, there's kids that don't play. I mean, that's why I love our hockey school. It's for everyone. And, and it's just having all indigenous players at our hockey school too, um, really helps with some people that don't, that have had bad experiences, whether it's in the city or, or um, they were playing and something happened to them. So it's really like a nice, cool, safe space for, for all of our participants to come to. But then we also have, like, if we go to, we've been to Enoch Cree Nation in Edmonton, and we had a lot of non-Indigenous people. So I think it's just that there's a good opportunity to listen and learn from each other at our hockey schools. And, uh, I mean, kids don't know any better. Like, kids just want to have fun. And and if we can teach them along the way about different issues or social issues, I mean, that's that's really what it's all about. So, I mean, I just... we haven't been in, we haven't been to August. We haven't hosted a August school now in over a year. So we're just uh, itching to get back at it. And hopefully uh, once this all dies down and get back to normal, we're hoping to be operational again sometime in the fall. So we're just really missing those visits, missing those communities. And hopefully, like I said, we can get back, get back to what we do here sometime soon. Awesome. Awesome. Nolan, you want to get in there? Sure. So who is your role model growing up and who inspires you now? Oh, I don't role model. I don't, I don't really know. Like I, I obviously looked up to people. Like I was a big hockey guy. I just loved hockey growing up. I looked up Steve Eisman was my favorite player. Um, it was probably, it was the closest city to Sault Ste. Marie to be in Detroit. So that was like our team growing up and, and my father played for them a little bit. So, um, you know, I obviously looked up to him and I wanted to be like Steve Eisenman, but I don't know if I would say role model. I mean, my parents were, were really good role models for my brother and I, um, taught us really everything about life, just about being good people and giving back and, and, uh, working to the best of your ability. So, I mean, I guess, I guess my parents would, would be my role model. And, and that's probably who I still, uh, listen to the most. And I'm 37 now, but I still got to listen to mom and dad and, and if you do something wrong, they'll, they'll let you know. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's where I'm, uh, that's still my, my role models and who I listen to the most. And uh, as far as inspiration, I don't know, it comes from all over. I mean, many different uh, Indigenous people I follow and listen to for inspiration, uh, elders, um, celebrities who I find are doing good things in the world. I mean, um, I just find I collect and gather information from other, it, it just might come even like, I might just be listening to a podcast one day and I say, Oh man, that's like a really cool point. Like I might listen to an hour podcast, but if there's just like one little sentence in there that kind of caught my attention, like I'm, I'm happy that I listened to that or, or I captured that moment. So I don't know. I just, uh, kind of draw inspiration from, from all over. I don't really gather from one place. awesome um in your bio it says that growing up you were always outside and you were playing on the outdoor range can you talk about the importance of being outside and your connection with the land yeah that's all i remember my dad uh built like the best rink it was i don't know how big it was it was probably i'm gonna guess 40 by 50 so it it was a pretty good good size rink and it was like the community spot in garden river like if on the weeknights or weekends, like everyone was at our rink and I was just out there all the time. Like I obviously remember playing uh, hockey up in Sault Ste. Marie and minor hockey, but my fondest memories are just getting on the outdoor rink and um, working on skills. Like I was pretty obsessive about hockey. I was always out nonstop. I, I swear I must've been out there like 
10 hours a day on the weekends. Like I would just skate, skate, skate. My toes would be killing me. I'd come in, take a break, have a hot chocolate, then go it again. I just remember being outside all the time. And, and, um, I just loved being outside. I uh, loved fishing, really enjoy, uh, really enjoyed hunting, but, um, fishing was kind of my thing, uh, growing up. And then when my father started getting, uh, when we moved away my father started getting jobs in the NHL, like his first job was Hartford. And then he went to Buffalo and then, um, my hockey started to get a little serious. So then I moved to Oshawa to play junior and then I got drafted to, to the pros. So like, I always, it just, life just got so busy and we weren't really home that much. Like we go home for a month or two in the summer, but, um, we weren't really home all, all that much. And then, now I just like, there's nothing I love more than, than going home and, and getting on the dock and getting the line wet and trying to catch a fish there. So I just, just love getting back home and, and doing outdoor acti- activities. Um, but this summer, like with COVID, there was nothing going on. Um, I'm just about 40 minutes east of Toronto and there's, I mean, there's no hockey, there's no baseball, there's no soccer. Um, so we just, we went up North and, uh, we were outside every day, uh, fishing, they were biking, we we're in the bush. I actually got, um, to experience, uh, some things with my cousin and her kids that I didn't even know were in garden. Like I didn't, there was this, uh, we were jumping off this small cliff into the, into the Creek or in the pond. And then like this really cool lookout spot. And like, I grew up there for my first 12 years of my life. And I didn't even know this, these places existed. So it was just like really cool to get there with my kids. And like, I'm, I'm 37, 38, 38 this summer, but like, I'm just a big kid too. Like I, so I'm always playing with my kids, whether it's road hockey, I'm, I'm asking them, like, you guys want to go play road hockey? So having kids has just been really fun and it's allowed me to be more of a big kid probably than, than I could be if I didn't have them. I got a serious question for you, Brandon. I, I mentioned at the beginning that like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to learn, right. As I go along here about indigenous culture and, and uh, indigenous history in particular, and uh, what I noticed as I've been listening to some different things and uh, and paying more attention, um, I noticed that the female voice is, is an important one in Indigenous uh, culture. Um, can you talk about why that is and perhaps elaborate, let's say, on a woman who has had an impact uh, on your life? I know you mentioned your mom briefly and uh, your wife. Maybe I'm sure your wife probably needs a shout out at some point here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, women, they're the life givers, right? So they're just super important. I'm, they're just, I must be honest, women are wiser, they're smarter than us. So um, that's, I mean, women are very important in our culture and they should be in everyone else's culture. I mean, um, just growing up with respect for them and just uh, listening and learning to them. Um, so, I mean, we've always been taught uh, especially for my father, how important the woman's voice is and how important the woman is to the family. And, um, so that's, that's kind of where I got it from my father growing up. Um, my mom being very important to me and my brother. I mean, we probably, yeah, like I said, we're, we're older now we have our own families, but we probably still talk like every, pretty much every day. Uh, we're calling our parents or, or we're just chatting on the phone and they're like, they like, coming to see uh our kids i mean obviously not so much anymore this past year's been crazy but we're a super close family um and then yeah my wife it was just important for me to to find someone that had the same values as myself and um had the same ideas of raising kids and and i found that in my wife so i met her when i was playing um 
with the Oshawa Generals in the in the OHL. Met her when I was, I think, eighteen. Um, so yeah, twenty years ago now, and uh, we got married when we were twenty. When I was twenty five, and she was twenty six. And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, women are just so important in our lives, and and that's uh, it, that really probably all stemmed from uh, my father's relationship with his mom, who was uh, tragically killed by a drunk driver um, when he was younger. And, um, his mom was so important to him, so important to the community. Um, and he ended up, uh, creating a charitable foundation in, in her name and, uh, gave out the, to annually to five, five women to start. And then it ended up being 10 near the end. And now it's, it's gotten to different colleges and universities across Canada. It's called the Rose Nolan Memorial Scholarship Fund. And he gave that out for, for many, many years. And, now a bunch of different colleges and universities that he's partnered with uh, through his foundation. They're able to give out the scholarships to indigenous women going to their universities and colleges uh, to further their education. So it's just, I mean, like without, without my father's mom, I mean, I don't, he's just, he's done so much in her name and a lot of it has come from that relationship with her, from her. And um, so it's just, uh, I mean, women are just so important in our lives. And like I said, they're, they're much smarter than men and much, much wiser than men. So um, if you're not in that culture mindset, the mindset of listening, and respecting women, then your, uh, your mindset needs to change. I'm, I'm wondering, and um, I'm going to let Nolan jump back in here. Um, but I'm wondering um, if you want to talk a little bit about uh, Little NHL, you were just talking about all of the the things that have been cancelled over the last little bit. And I don't know that all of our listeners know about this kind of insane tournament. Uh, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe even just your experiences with Little NHL and what it is, what it represents, where it's hopefully going once we can get back together. Yeah, the Little NHL is our favourite event uh, that we attend every year. There's, uh, it's open to all residents of Ontario um, who are a band member of a first stage community. And um, so all these communities and all these uh, Indigenous communities all across Ontario come into one location, which the past couple of years has been uh, Mississauga, Ontario, just right near Toronto. And um, last, or well, not last year, two years ago, I think there was like 225 teams um, up. 225 teams. Uh, it's just an amazing event. You have the opening ceremonies. You have the tournament going from Monday to Thursday. And it's just, uh, just an amazing, it's like, it's like a big ass hockey powwow. Like it's just, uh, just a great place for everyone to get together and to see old friends. And I mean, it's, I think this was, it might've been this this year or the next year coming up is the 50th anniversary. And um, I just hope, Hope that they have uh, that we can get back to it again next year. Um, it's every March break, and it was canceled last year, obviously due to COVID, and canceled this year again due to COVID. So, hopefully, um, in twenty twenty two, I believe it is. Yeah, next year, twenty twenty two, that we can be back at it. It's just, yeah. I mean, you, you just meet so many people. You see people that you haven't seen in many years. Uh, it's a good place for me to catch up with my cousins or uh, other people like we do a lot of hockey schools in Northern Ontario flying communities, like whether it's out of Wapiscat or, uh, you know, Kasechewan, Sandy Lake, all Northern flying communities. And the only way to get there is to fly in by basically a bush plane or to wait to the winter roads are, are drivable in the winter. 
so we'll go there do a hockey school but then it's just awesome getting back to like being near toronto and then you, you see these, these people um that you saw a couple of months ago and just catching up and you know we have a booth set up for our three nolans apparel but it's really not about uh it's not really so much about the apparel sales just about catching up with people i mean we probably take 10 times the amount of photos as the hats we sell so <laughs> it's just an awesome place to uh to just catch up with people and I, and my kids played in it uh, la- uh, two years ago, and uh, they were looking forward to playing again this year, but obviously it canceled. And, and it's just uh, just a cool spot. It's just like I said, I talk about our hockey school just being uh, pretty much and mostly all Indigenous. Um, this little NHL is is all for all for Indigenous people, and it's just um, I think it needs uh, more more traction and more media attention. Um, which I'm hoping it gets next year, being the 50th anniversary. Like it's just it's got to be one of the biggest tournaments in, in Ontario. I don't know any of any other tournament that would have 250 teams come to one location uh, over five day period. So mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's just, yeah. I, I remember last year when they were starting to shut us down with COVID, I remember uh, my students and even some of our, our, my colleagues were just freaking out about, but the little in NHL, like it doesn't, everybody's out panic buying toilet paper and they're like, yeah. no man, we're supposed to leave this weekend. Like, <laughs> oh, this is like what people look to all year round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Some, I, I don't even know how some people get here. Like they have to take trains, uh, yeah. fly in there. I think it takes some teams like 25 hours to get there, but it's just worth every minute of their time because of the experience that they have. And um, actually my father played in the very first little NHL um 49 50 years ago so it's just a really cool uh really cool to see like even the founders or the the employees uh people that work there now like they're they all played in it and uh just i mean you have many people come through i mean jonathan chichu played in it led the nhl in scoring one year um bridget laquette was was there a couple years ago so it's just really cool to see just a great mix of of people and it's the same thing as with our hockey school i mean you have super elite players and you have people that that only play like that they might play that one week a year yeah and it's just uh it's just really cool to get together as as a nation absolutely well it's right. all about that that sense of belonging and community mm-hmm. right so sorry ren you were going to say something no just off the cuff would you say that uh, uh that uh, hockey is 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 growing in uh, indigenous communities or is it dropping off or is it the same or what do you think? Cause I don't know if it's been, my, yep. yeah, I don't know if it's been growing or, I mean, we have so many players in our communities. I mean, and it's players that you don't know about because I mean, they don't have like a minor hockey system, like a Szechuan pre first nation. I mean, they're just playing the next closest community and they're getting there on the winter road. So like our people are just love hockey I mean, every community we go to, you have paintings of NHL logos on, on people's garages or you have flags. Like mm. our people, I find just love hockey. And, uh, I don't, I mean, we have so many, so many people playing the game. I think we're really underrepresented in the numbers as far as like if hockey Canada had numbers of indigenous players within Canada and Ontario, I mean, it would be, it wouldn't even be true to the scale of, of what, how many people right. play our game. And, and we go to many communities. Like we went to Waminji Cree nation for the past three years up in Northern Quebec, like uh, five bush plains from Montreal, five landing stops to get there. And there is one of the best 12 uh, year old players I've ever seen in my life. And that's, and that's from working in Toronto or working in the city I live yeah. in with the minor hockey system. And he was the best I've ever seen. And the same thing happened yeah. with, with my father when he was doing hockey schools when he was younger 
he um, saw Jonathan Chichu playing in Moose Creek. And he said, like, this kid is unbelievable. Like, we got to get this guy somewhere. So he was able to hook him up and get him somewhere and, and kind of launch back his career. But, I mean, we see so much talent in our communities. It's just about, you know, taking that step and, and taking that leap, whether it's hockey or school. Like, at some point, you, you're going to have to leave the community to, to get educated or to, to um, advance your sporting career. But we always tell them, like, you can always come back, like, go get your degree You can come back, work for the community, but you're gonna have to leave at some point. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be hard, but, um, you're gonna have to leave at some point to, to get that experience. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's really what we tell them as well. Yeah. And that's well, such, it's, it's such a good point. It's quite obvious. It's quite obvious that groups like yours and uh, the little NHL and, the, and those kind of organizations, they're the ones finding those talented kids, right? If it wasn't for you folks. Be hard to find them, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just letting it chat. Like, it just you just bring it up and it brings a smile to people's faces. It's just if you haven't had a chance to experience whether you're indigenous or you're non indigenous, please get to Mississauga or wherever the host city is, uh, for the week of March break. It's just an amazing, amazing experience. Yeah. Nolan, you want to want to get in here with your last couple? I know you're dying sure. to. So after your concussion forced you to retire from hockey, you must have really struggled. What did you do or what do you do to take care of your mental health? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, you know, I was 25 years old at the time. I worked my whole life to, to reach a goal. Um, you know, I wanted to play in the NHL my whole, my whole life. And then at 25 years old, I finally reached my goal. It was like December 22nd, I believe 2007, I got called up. Played my first NHL game, and then February 2008, uh, boom, done. Never played again. So I went from being like the, probably at that time, like outside of kids and other stuff, family. At that time in my career, like the happiest I've been in my life, just reaching a goal and saying, oh, man, like I finally reached the pinnacle of what I want to do. Like I'm going to, here we go. Like I'm going to have a great career. I'm going to play in the NHL for a couple of years. Um, feeling really good about my game and where I was. And then that, that happened with the concussion. It was just, it was really, really tough. I mean, uh, physical symptoms aside, I mean, that those were tough enough, but it was just the mental side as well, which was really hard uh, to grasp what I was going through physically and mentally and just going through a tough time. I mean, it was like a year and a half of just terrible busyness and not being able to work out and not being able to, to play the game I love or to, to get back to playing. Um, so it was just like a really, really tough time. And then, um, I just, you know, I turned pro when I was 19. So outside of high school, like I didn't have any other education. Um, so when I was 27, like I had to take, I didn't know what I was going to do. So I took a job at a, at a retail store. Cause like what, I didn't have any other education. Like what, I couldn't get a job anywhere else. I wasn't qualified. So I'm like, oh, okay, like, let's just do this. Um, you know, I got to do something to keep, keep me busy, keep my mind busy. Cause I was just going nuts at home. Um, I wasn't doing anything. I was just trying to deal with my physical symptoms and deal with my medical mental symptoms. And it was just a tough time. So I like, I got to do something. So I got a job and then I just, you know, I didn't want to keep, I didn't want to work there forever. Obviously. Like I wanted more for more for my life. I thought I had more to offer. So, um, I talk about this, like, basically everywhere I go. Like I probably made the best decision in my life. I, I went back to school and I went back to college, um, at the age of 27, I believe. And, uh, again, like it was tough. Like I hadn't been to school since I was 18, 19 years old. Like I didn't know how, 
didn't know how to study properly. I didn't know how to how to take notes in class. Like all I really all I was focused on the, that whole time playing hockey was was hockey, like my skills, my conditioning, my my eating habits, my health. So that's all I knew. I didn't know anything about school or, or how to um, how to give it my best. Um, so it, like it took a couple of months to get to get going back in the school mode. And then, um, I just really just said like, let's just do like the same things I did when I played hockey. And I was just work hard. Like whenever I struggled in hockey, I just worked like my, my dad always says if it ain't working, you're not working hard enough. So all I did at school, like I definitely wasn't the smartest. 100% was not the smartest, but I worked my butt off. I, I studied lots. I read lots. I, I did, I did what, what other people weren't willing to do. And that was, that helped me, uh, succeed in school. And it helped me to, um, to become the highest ranking graduate of my program. And I, like I said, like I talked about this everywhere I go with the kids and it was not, not even close. Like I was not the smartest, not the smartest now, I'm never going to be the smartest, but my work okay. ethic is, uh, is very strong. And uh, that's why, and that's how I got to be the highest ranked graduate of my program. And I believe that's how and how I got to be um, a pretty good hockey player. And it was all just, it's simple to say, but it's not simple to do. And it's, it's just hard work. That's it. A good message for our students to hear as well. So, um, Nolan, do you have one last one? Thinking back to your career, who is your favorite coach to play under? Favorite coach. Uh, oh man. A lot of bad ones. <laughs> uh, for no, seriously, a lot of really like a lot of bad coaches. I think about it now. And I had some coaches like, I don't even still to this day and the summer still like that. Like, I don't get why you wouldn't do everything possible to make your player feel the best they can. Like I would have some coaches that they would just make you feel like you're the worst hockey player in the world. Like, what are you even doing on my team? And to, to this day, it's still, it still happens. I went through it. People are still going to go through it, but I just don't know why coaches wouldn't do their best. Yeah. To be tough and to discipline. And, but I don't know why they wouldn't do their best to make their players feel the best and to get to know them individually. And, and just to, I think that's why my father was a great coach and is a great coach because yeah, he's tough, but he gets the most out of people and he gets to know them individually as well, which kind of makes you trust the coach more, but um, I know, like I said, I'm not going to lie, a lot of bad coaches, but probably my favorite coach was uh, my last year pro in, in uh, Albany with all the River Rats in the, in the American Hockey League, the AHL. Um, so if you don't know hockey, I mean, you got the NHL and then you have the AHL, which is right below the, right below the NHL where all, most of the players come from um, that don't make the NHL right away. So he was by far my, my favorite coach. He was like super tough. He was probably one of the toughest coaches I had, but he was just fair and honest and if you weren't working, he was going to tell you, you weren't going to play, but if you were, and you gave your best effort, he was just, he was going to be in fight there for you too. So, um, he probably like, I don't, we probably didn't have the best relationship right off the start. Um, but like he, after a couple of weeks said, he just, I think he saw my work ethic and I saw like how he treated players and kind of just gelled really nice and had a really good relationship by the end of the year. And he was probably my, uh, my favorite coach. Just a, just a cool guy. And, someone again that was really tough and was tough on you if you weren't working like i said you weren't playing but um as players that's that's all you can ask for is to be treated fairly and to, to be treated with respect and 
And like I said, if you're not working, you shouldn't be playing. But if you're uh, if you're working your hardest and giving your best effort, then that's all you can ask from someone. And he was a coach that that did that for sure. And I really enjoyed playing for him. <laughs> um, is there anything that you want to share about the about the Three Nolans Hockey School that we haven't covered? You have some awesome merch on right now that our listeners won't be able to see. They can definitely uh, go online and find it. Is there anything yeah, else you want to touch on? Uh, not really. I mean, if anyone wants to follow us, I mean, we're on Facebook at Three Nolans. We're on Instagram. Um, our website's www.threenolans.com. Um, there's a link there to our apparel or you can go directly to our apparel website, which is three and apparel.square.site. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can go to our website, learn more about us, learn more about our hockey school. Um, if anyone's interested in a hockey school, they can fill out the contact us page that comes directly to my phone. Um, other than that, not really. I mean, like I said, we're just looking forward to getting back to some sense of normalcy, um, getting back to the communities, getting back to doing to what we love to do. Um, so I don't know. We're just, that's pretty much it for us. I mean, we're, we're pretty simple people want to get back to the communities, want to get back to live events, um, get vaccinated so we can all get back to get back to normal here. And we all get back to the little NHL next year. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, well, when we wrap up our podcast, I do something called the fast five. So I'm going to ask okay. you five questions. <laughs> no thinking. You just give oh, us geez. your answers. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? I didn't warn okay. you. <laughs> okay. Uh, your favorite food. Pizza. Uh, favorite music or something to listen to. Uh, Air church country. Uh, the favorite place you've been. Um, Mexico. Uh, one person dead or alive that you wish you could meet? Tiger Woods. And somebody that you think we should follow on social media or somebody that you think would be of, of interest or importance for us to follow? Um, all Indigenous content creators. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And uh, Nolan and Ren, I wanted to let you know that you guys are going to be getting three Nolan hats so you can rock it. Yes. Yeah. I was, going, I was going to say that. I was going to say I heard that you're sending us some stuff. Uh, well, you heard right. You will be getting hats. But, uh, <laughs> thank you guys for joining me and uh, Brandon Shimi Gwetch. Oh, thanks so much, guys. Great talking to you. Thank you. Looking forward to yeah, thank uh, you very much. meeting each other in person here. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you've made it this far, then I have an exciting opportunity for you. The first two listeners to give us a shout out on Twitter by tweeting at listen to as in the number two word up will also receive a three Nolans hat or t-shirt. So get your phones out, find us on Twitter, give us a follow and let us know how much you like this episode. Thank you to Ren and Nolan from KLDCS and of course to our special guest, Brandon Nolan. Until next time, fist down, but word up. truth be the key to freedom and bond to the path